This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hyde. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, my guest on the show is Carly Anderson. Carly shares all about fashion tips for pear-shaped bodies, bathing suits that make you feel amazing, family adventures, and body positivity over on her Instagram, Lip Gloss and Crayons. She went viral back in the day when she posted a photo of herself in a bathing suit and said, just wear the suit. And uh, that kind of took off from there. She is a former teacher and a runner, and she's all about sharing that mid-size style and over 40 beauty, self-love, body positivity, and she's a self-proclaimed internet over-sharer. She is the mother to one, and she's got a thing for Disney. I feel like I've interviewed a few of those moms with a thing for Disney. Definitely recommend you go follow her over on Instagram, lip gloss and crayons over there. And if you are looking for a very great night's sleep, look no further than Lagoon Pillows. Go to lagoonsleep.com, fill out a two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you up with the pillow of your dreams. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off. I'm telling you, it's the best pillow ever. You'll get the best night of sleep. You're welcome. Lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Carly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have Carly Anderson on the show. Welcome to the show, Carly. So excited to be here. Look at us in our matching gray sweatshirts. (laughs) I was just saying before we started recording, I just finished a run, so... You're getting the authentic me, everyone. <laughs> See, this is my favorite when my two passions combined because my other podcast is a podcast for runners and you're a runner. I, on- am, I never thought I would say that, but yes, I am now a runner. When did you first start saying that? So funny, my dad was a runner my entire life. I mean, I have photos of him in like the 80s with his fluorescent running shorts and the whole vibe. In my entire life, I swore I was not an athlete, not a runner. It was not my thing. I think I tried in my teens, ran around the block and hated it. I started running short distances, oh gosh, 10, 15 years ago, but I never ran more than three miles. It was like a running for exercise, not for running, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense at all. Uh, And last year, some friends surprise signed me up for a Run Disney 10K. (laughs) And I trained for this 10K and it was like a life-changing experience. I am now signed up for a 10K, no, one, two, three 10Ks this year, two half marathons. It was like I went in and I went all in. It's, I I had no idea what I was stepping into, but I love it. This is fun because you're like, you're fresh. Yeah. Like you're yeah, still yeah. like, this is still super exciting and sexy for you. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm learning a lot about, you know, my life revolving around these training schedules. Uh, and things. <laughs> but, but I, I think if it. you like stick to the half marathon distance though, like 
you can have more balance. Exactly. Whereas like once you get to the marathon, it's oh, no. like. No, listen. For the record, <laughs> famous last words, half is my maximum. I don't buy it. We'll see. We'll see. You're going to revisit this in a year and revisit it because you're going to do a couple halves and you might be like, well, I mean, just one. Like, I have to, I have to at least check up one. Then you do the one and you're like, well, I think I could have done this a little bit better. Exactly. It kind of becomes this like ridiculous cycle. I've talked to a lot of runners here. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) Um, Tell us though, why? What was life changing about that 10k? You know, it's really funny because in the other parts of my life, um, I talk a lot about body confidence and raising confident kids. And I think that I always looked at exercise as having a function to like lose weight or be healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I was never what I considered myself. I never considered myself to be an athletic person. So the idea of like training to achieve a physical goal was not motivating for me. In fact, it felt awful. Like it was never something I liked. I tried to organize sports as a kid, quit every team I was on by the end of the season. And it was not for me. Something about this worked. Like there was something that felt so empowering about, I've never run this far before. It's actually working. I'm tracking my runs. So I started tracking my runs in Strava, which was like the biggest thing for me because I could see like overall growth versus individual run growth, if that makes sense at all. Uh And it felt like the most empowering thing, which is so weird because I had always thought of movement as being the opposite, but it felt like this was the first time that I was thinking about things like muscle function Mm -hmm. and it's okay to have a slow run because overall I'm running further. Like it made me look at my body in a different way that was completely the opposite of how I'd ever looked at exercise and my body image together before. Mm. See, that's one of the things I love about running so much and the everyday person just like putting on their shoes and running and setting their own goals. It's like, cause as we get older, we lose the team sport aspect that we might've had before. I know you said you didn't enjoy those sports, but like, why can't we have something that we have this like achievement that we work for and move our bodies for as adults too. It's so fun. I, I just like emceed the finish line at the monumental marathon this weekend. And like, I was thinking that every time someone crossed the finish line, you could like read on their faces. I was like, every single one of these people has a story about what brought them to this moment. Exactly. And they get to get out here and chase these goals. It doesn't matter what time they're chasing. Right. Right. Well, because it's individual. And I think that's the thing is it was the first time that I had ever committed to like any form of exercise for this long and thought Mm -hmm. about the function versus losing weight. In fact, it never really occurred to me that that was a goal, which is so odd and new. And I'm 44 years old, but Mm -hmm. here we are. It worked. I'm hooked now. I mean, <laughs> like yeah. 75,000 pairs of running shoes. It's a whole thing. But yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that because in our generation, we did grow up with parents who, um, they exercised for that reason. They right. own, they, they exercise to lose weight, to be skinnier, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. And when we look at it in terms of like, I want to be the healthiest version of myself. I want to be strong. And that's really why we should be doing it. You know, it's so funny because, as I said, my dad was a runner, right? Um, And my dad was, 
I'm saying this lightly. My dad is 77 years old and just stopped running and is in like phenomenal health. I mean, he ran with ultra marathoners. He was like really into it. I never saw him running to be thin, I, I, that, which is very unique because so I was born in 79. The 80s were very much like doing aerobics to get thin. Weight right? watchers. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It's so funny because my entire childhood, a lot of things revolved around my dad's races, right? He would come late to my ballet recital in his running gear from a race. I appreciate that so much in a different way now because he really was training for function. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he ran with a lot of elite female runners. So now, at the time, I didn't really think that that was odd or it didn't occur to me. But I am looking at these women who are in their 70s and 80s now and thinking about how they ran side by side with my dad and trained like that back in the 80s. And it was totally normalized. So it's mm-hmm. I, I'm very thankful for something that I didn't realize was odd at the time. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So talk to us about how you talk to your daughter about your running. <laughs> it's so funny. She just told me she wants to run a race. So, you know, it must be, there's a genetic marker. My child is also not that into athletic activities. We've tried <laughs> a lot of sports teams. Every time we commit for one season uh-huh. and at the end, she's like, no, thank you. And I'm like, oh, you, you are my child. Uh, it's funny because they have run club at her school as all elementary schools do, right? Uh, I was an elementary school teacher for a long time, so I led run club. I mean, this is a thing. It's part of PE. In California, they have to run a mile. I think it's a federal standard or a state. I'm not sure. But everyone's doing these mile runs in fourth and fifth grade. Claims she hates it. Uh, All of a sudden now, she's saying, oh, I want to do one of these runs with you. And telling me that she's just going to show up and run a 5K. So now we're having these conversations about, well, my daughter's nine. You can't really show up and run a 5K. Like, do we train? Is that appropriate? What does that look like? It's it's very interesting to see that now she's interested. Mm. She's motivated by the medals. I'm not going to lie. The oh, medals for sure. and the run Disney is a big hook for her. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you guys big Disney people? Oh, yes, we are. I mean, we live close to Disneyland. So Disneyland. Yes. Do you yes. do World too, though? I am going to World this week, actually, for a race. So, yes, for the race. We, we do do both. Um, but Disneyland races are back now. They were gone in California for a long time. Oh. So, so she is doing a, a kids' race in January there. But I think she's wanting to try, like, an adult race. Mm. Well, let's lean on that. Let's go into that, like, body positivity conversation with, with kids and um, how we speak about our bodies and with them. Like, what, like how long do you have? I know, <laughs> I know. Well, and the other thing is, is I feel like we, most of us when we became parents, we already knew more than what our parents knew. We already had more tools in our toolbox, right? But we're also still, you're still learning in real time. Right. right. You're still messing up in real time. You're, you know, all these things. So how do you approach these conversations? You know, it's so funny because I feel like I had this very strange perspective because I was an elementary school teacher for 15 years total. I'm currently on sabbatical. Um, but I had been a teacher for over 10 years when I had my child. So in some ways it was like, am I a professional at this teacher? Yes. <laughs> parent, no. Right. Those are two completely different things. Um, So I've had to really look at like, what do I know almost clinically 
And then what do I know emotionally? And how do those things marry together in terms of parenting? Because I think with anything that we're an expert in, of course, you know, like the textbook, perfect answer for everything, but we're human beings, right? Mm -hmm. So I am learning things about myself and my own body image in real time. And I have to also allow myself that space to be a human being. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make as a parent is to not be human to our children. Mm. I think more than anything else, like you can read the perfect script, but if you're not being a human being, what are they taking away from that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one of my biggest things has been, of course, you hear people say, I don't talk negatively about my body in front of my child. I don't want to talk about diet culture. All of those are great and true. And of course, I don't want her to hear me saying things that are negative. But I also think it's important for her to hear me unravel what that feels like. You know, I think being a human and saying, some days I feel great about myself and some days I'm just having an eh day. But what do I know that I can do about that? That's important, right? Because I think that is something a lot of our parents a generation ago were not empowered to do. They didn't feel like they could be human to us. They felt like they had to be mom. And mom has all the answers because that is what society said, right? So I think my biggest thing in terms of body image with my child has been to talk about how it's a journey that is not ending. Mm. You know, you don't wake up one day and say, I feel great now and that is the end. Yeah. Um, isn't it wild too that, you know, that's how we grew up with our parents like that. And then when we become adults, we're like, oh, they didn't know everything. Shoot. No. <laughs> like I, I was just talking with my husband about this is like the silliest thing, but it had never occurred to me as a child to think about what my mom did during the day while I was <laughs> school, right? Like they weren't human, just like teachers aren't human. Like uh -huh. kids see a teacher out in the wild and it's like oh, mind boggling. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same. And what does that lead to? Generations of children who are putting adults on pedestals and not realizing we all struggle with things, whether it's depression, anxiety, body image, that is just a part of being a human. And oh, that's really cool because as an adult, we have autonomy to get the supports we need or ask for what we want. But that doesn't start at 18. I think it's, it's important for kids to see that we are like a work in progress and we're all trying to be the best versions of ourselves and that takes time. Hey everybody, are you looking for a great protein powder? I have the best solution for you. The Neurofi Plus Vegan Protein Shake by Prevenex is so delicious. It is packed with vitamins and nutrients, 20 grams of vegan protein, 1 billion probiotics, digestive enzymes, BCAAs, it's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no preservatives, and no artificial flavors. This is the cleanest, healthiest, plant-based vegan shake around made to the highest standards. Sometimes you just need a quick hit of protein after a workout or a run. You're moving from one thing to the next. You can shake this up with water, eat a banana, boom, you're getting it done. Right away, you're getting those nutrients back in your body. I also like making protein shakes for my kids with this protein powder as well, and they get a nutrient-dense jam-packed smoothie, including high protein, which is good because then they feel full longer. Uh, they also have a great joint supplement and multivitamin. Check out everything Prevenex has to offer at Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Back to the show. Talk to me about, like, you just mentioned you were on 
your sabbatical. What's going on? I know you. I know you've got this big Instagram presence. How did this happen? Yeah, I, like what? I often yeah. ask myself, how did this happen? Yes. <laughs> so. I was a teacher. We live in San Diego. I was a teacher in Los Angeles. I think that's very important to explain because anyone that's not in California, like those are not close together. They're three hours apart from each other. So we don't live in the same place. I think that is number one. You've moved. We've moved. Okay. Um, so I was a teacher in Los Angeles. I thought you were about to say you commuted that far. Oh, no, no, like... no, 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 no. So we lived in Los Angeles for a long time. I was there for 18 years. My husband was there for 20 years. My husband was, is a professional musician, thus Los Angeles. Um, that is where we met. That is where we had my daughter. That is where I was an elementary school teacher for a long, long time in a very large school district there. Uh, and I, I don't know, showed up on the internet had a blog, started Instagram, uh -huh. all this stuff while I was teaching. Um, so I would teach during the day and then do this. And it was this very weird dichotomy. And my husband, while he was a working musician, was also in graduate school getting another degree in music in Los Angeles. When he finished in 2018, I'm allowed to go back in time, um, the goal was always that he was going to do some type of an educational professorship in music. And so we looked all over the country. At that point, it was not that we were going to be in L.A. because obviously there are elite music programs everywhere. Um, we ended up with him accepting a position here in San Diego, and we moved in the summer of 2019. Okay. So at the time, my daughter was going into kindergarten. We're moving to this new city. We didn't know anyone. We kind of sat down, and I said, well... My social media is doing pretty well. I have some work with this. I think we can afford to take one year off of teaching. We'll learn more about the schools in San Diego, and then I'll go back to the classroom. She'll have adjusted, started kindergarten, et cetera. Well, that February 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yes, haha. Haha. -ha. Um, the world changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we were in this new city, didn't really know anyone. Clearly, oh, that's the world, such a hard time to move. Right, right. The world looked a little different. Our families were far away. Uh, and that summer we kind of looked at each other and my husband was teaching here and said, Hey, our, our child's on zoom school still, your school is going back in person. What are we doing? And we just couldn't figure out what the pieces looked like with all three of us at different schools. And my social media business was doing really well. So we decided we're just going to take it year by year. And here we are. And it's now been almost five years and this is my job. Wild. Do you think it's you'll ever go back? Bizarre. It's very bizarre. So will I go back someday? Probably. Right now, this works. It's fun. What do you spend the majority of your time doing? Running. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, multiple things. I have been really lucky to work with a number of companies actually using my educational background. So for example, I work with Amazon Kids a lot and we talk a lot about children's literacy, routines that help kids with their confidence. Like this is stuff that I did professionally yeah. when I was presenting to parents, right? It's not different. It's just a different audience. Yeah. Uh, so I spend a lot of time either meeting with those companies behind the scenes or kind of doing the research that I would do the same as if I was presenting to like our PTA uh, and preparing for then what goes on the internet. Something that I pride myself on is when I'm working on projects like this, this is my professional background, mm. so I take it pretty seriously. I don't want to flippantly be telling parents something when it's what I have a graduate degree in, right? 
So there's a lot of behind the scenes. Um, a lot of emails. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of emails. Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Um, and then raising strong women, that's one of your big things. And we already talked about like the body talk a little bit, but what else does it mean to you to raise strong women? You know, I think it's really important. There is just so, so much going on. I don't even know where to begin. So much going on in our country, in our world right now, in terms of like the systems that have always been in place, the systems that are being looked at and dismantled and changed. I think a lot of this is about, I want my child and yes, I say raising strong women, but this is raising strong kids, right? Mm. Because in the end, like all of our children are a part of the system and they, they're all going to contribute to it in some way or other. I want my child to be able to look at the systems that have always been in place and to analyze if they support everybody or they don't, mm. right? So what does that look like? You know, I think, I mean, I, <laughs> there's so many things. You know, we're looking at children in sports. We're looking at diversity in libraries, diversity in media, um, equal rights throughout the country, throughout the world, you know, a war happening. There's so many things. And I think just what I want is for my child to be aware of what's happening in the world in an age-appropriate way, because I yeah. also think, mine. she's nine, right? So there are things that, like, maybe I would say this and not this. And I want her to have the tools to educate herself or to ask the right people and then to be able to do something about it that's also appropriate for her age. Because I think that's the other thing is when we talk about raising empowered kids or children being aware, there is so much nuance around what that actually looks like. And I think what you hear a lot of are very polarizing opinions. Children should know absolutely everything or, oh my gosh, this is totally inappropriate for their age, right? And Maybe there's validity in both of that, but the reality is when we peel back like the politics of all of it and all of that, what we're really looking at is since the beginning of time and the beginning of teaching, we talked about things that were developmentally appropriate for different kids at different ages. Even when it comes to current events, knowing what's appropriate for my daughter's age and knowing what an appropriate like action is, that's empowering her to be a strong person in a way that makes sense for a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, like giving them like tactical things they can do to be a part of solutions to these exactly. issues. Um, yeah, I think about that a lot because, you know, like we were not created to have like all this input all the time, even <sighs> as adults. Really? I mean, really, we were not. It's just like, it's just like so, no wonder we, so many people have anxiety. I mean, some people have underlying anxiety either way. But, like, talk about amplifying that, just the constant cycle in our heads of the well, news. Well, but that even stuff. that, in terms of our kids, is important, right? Because our children are growing up with, like, so much information. I mean, it is just mind-boggling. And, of course, we want our children to have access to information and to be able to educate themselves. But also, this is a lot. And I think a huge thing about empowering our kids is teaching them to check in with themselves mm. and to say, because do we do this? No. Yeah. Hey, the internet feels like a lot for me today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? Like, like <laughs> this is like, I have to do this for myself. Yeah. This is important information, but also I need to be in the place to take the information in. 
So what does that mean? Example, I don't read my emails before I go running in the morning. Mm. I have found that it is better for me to go outside, get some fresh air, go for a run, cool down, then I can see what's happening in the news. (laughs) Did you see those fireworks? Yes, I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) But it was almost like... Did that just happen because you made a really good statement? I, I don't know. But, you know <laughs> but like, this is something I should be modeling for my child, right? Yeah. It's as simple as saying, hey, dad, it's really cool that you're telling me about the 75,000 pieces of news that you just read on Twitter X threads. I don't even remember what everything's called at I this know. point, but I can't take any more in. I need like an hour, right? Yes. I just need like, like, that's it. I think that is so empowering to our children is teaching them to care for themselves in the world that we currently live in. Because, you know, we could all say, oh, it was so amazing. And we went out and played until the porch light came on and we didn't know what was going on. And I rode my bike everywhere. That was all true. We don't live there anymore. Unfortunately, like regardless of where you live in this country, we all have access to information at this point. So like, I think we have to raise our children with the values we hold, but also for the world we actually live in today to navigate it in a way that's healthy. You know, this is a really interesting conversation because I was just, do you follow um, Carlos Whitaker on social media? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows him. Yeah. Um, and he, somebody had like commented to him, like they were disappointed that he hadn't posted about um, Gaza and, and everything going on. And he shared his response to this person was like, Hey, I have like so much going on right now with my dad moving across the street. I think his dad has like really severe dementia. And like, I just, I'm to me, that's my war right now going on in my own family. And like, I can't, I just, that's my space I'm in right now. And so I think that's really interesting because like with all of these things, you feel like I want to stand by people that are suffering, stand by people that are in pain. But with someone who has like a large presence, like you can't always, always say something every single time every tragedy happens. You know, I think that the expectation for people that have a public presence, whatever that looks like, um, has changed a lot in the last few years. And I think starting with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, there was very much an expectation of people to make yeah. statements. Um, you know, and then things just kept happening. And were these things already happening in this country? Absolutely. Is it being amplified more because we have access to information? Absolutely. And I think I get it because I feel the pressure. I feel yeah. the pressure to firmly say, hey, thank you for supporting me. This is definitely where I stand. So you can make a decision with that about right. what you want to do. Right. But I think it has also become an expectation of people making statements about things that they're not experts in. You right. Know, the war and everything happening currently overseas is a perfect example of that. The minute that all of that hit the news, the amount of research I was doing just to try to genuinely try understand, to understand what was going on and feeling like, oh my, I don't know, what, what am I supposed to say? What do I say? What do I not say? should I be taking this time to talk to my friends in my personal life about this, right? Like maybe reaching across the fence to my neighbor versus saying something on the internet. I I think there's, at this point, no right or wrong to the entire thing. I also think, I can only speak to like the weird job that I have. Yeah. (laughs) 
I would hope that the people in my community know who I am and the values yeah. that I hold at this point. So I think it also gets to the point where it's like, hey, y'all know this is probably where I'm going to fall on this, right? Like, yeah. do I need to make a statement every single time about everything? And I think because of this access to information, our expectations of people providing that information are very extreme. Mm. Yeah. I know it's like every time there's even like a shooting or anything like that, it's like awful every time. It also triggers my own anxiety. And like, if you say something every time, you're just like, I don't know. It's a real, it can be really hard, you know? And (sighs) And the thing is first world problems. Like I, I try to think about this a lot because I think like, what was I doing seven years ago? I worked in low-performing schools with some very challenging situations. And me talking about what I should or should not say on the internet like kind of pales in comparison to what I was seeing there. Right, of course. But I also think it's important to think about what our expectations are of each other as a society as a whole. Like this isn't really about me. It's about what are our responsibilities to each other? Because I follow you on the internet, do you have that responsibility to tell me? I don't know, I, I don't know the answers. I think it's interesting. And I also think it's something that our kids are going to grapple with even more because they've only grown up in this time mm-hmm. of the internet. You know, They feel like they know people that they don't actually know. Like, What does this look like for them in terms of interpersonal relationships with other students? adults, et cetera. I was, I think about that with our parents' generation too, though, because our parents' generation, they spend a lot of time on the YouTube. <laughs> it is also the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> the Facebook. It's really. The YouTube. It really I'm is. always like, if y'all would like set that down. Literally. And like you said, go, go across the fence to see what your neighbor's doing and like physically. Have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And you're right. Yeah. First world problems. It's just the, the constant, um, the constant input. And then the feeling that you have to constantly output is just this like cycle, right? Cause bad things happen every day all over the world. Well, and it's funny because I often think about like, do we almost have too much information about each other? My husband and Probably. I were talking about this. So I was just, I was raised in California. My husband was raised in South Carolina. Oh, okay. There are, you know, probably some differences. <laughs> in the way we were raised and for sure maybe some schools of thought that aren't quite the same for Uh, sure but there were things that like I just didn't really know about people from his childhood or whatever it was we didn't talk about some of this stuff and now I have like a lot of information about a lot of people's opinions about a lot of things and some of them I think are important to know but some maybe aren't Uh, you know, there's a, it's interesting. And I wonder what does this look like for our kids too, right? Like my daughter knows what everybody in our family thinks about everything now. And does she need to know that? I'm not sure. Right. Because it gives you, it gives you the, um, like you can prejudge people based on what you know about them based about in, in like, you might have a very good, happy relationship with them if you just didn't know that. Right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, you know, even, you know, she goes to high school, she's going to learn things about other students that maybe, I don't know if that's information she needs to have, or that's information that you should gain as you have a more intimate relationship with them. 
right? Like maybe these are things that would have come up in conversation and you would have dialogued about many of these things versus the internet telling you. What is your favorite thing that you do with your profile and your blog and your website? Lip gloss and crayons. (sighs) My favorite thing. Honestly, this is going to sound really silly, but talking to people in messages behind the scenes. Aww. You know, I feel like that's like the meat of it all. You know, just Uh like with teaching, the meat of it was like the one-on-one student interaction. It feels like the same type of thing. I mean, posting photos is fun. Making videos is fun. Getting to do cool projects, fun. But in the end, this all started for me because it was about building an extended community that we couldn't have in person. So I love that. I I mean, I have in real life friends that I met in messages on my Instagram. Yeah. Which is bizarre. (laughs) And where did like the premise of everything start? Like you started posting photos of what and what, where did this all? So I had a website before Instagram was even a thing. Um, Oh my gosh, 12, 13 years ago. And when Instagram launched, I was like, oh, everybody that has blogs is joining this Instagram situation. Uh I should Uh probably do that, I guess. Um, Joined. I did a lot of like fashion-y LA girl content for a while. And then I had, so my daughter is now nine. I had her uh, right all around the same time. And she was born with a infantile hemangioma, which is like a birthmark. Uh, on the kind of the side of her head right here. Um, and we had a friend that came over and they said, Ooh, you're not going to put her on the internet with the, on her face. Right. And I was like, Oh, actually I am. I am going to hundred percent put her on the internet. (laughs) So we ended up kind of doing more like mommy and me lifestyle type of content. Um, it was, it was a medical issue. She ended up going through medical treatment and we talked a bit about that. And through that process, I realized what I loved to do was to connect with other women through things that were challenging or vulnerable or difficult. And that led to, as she got a little older, me talking about myself versus her and me talking about my own body image and that kind of stuff. And now here we are. Just wear the suit. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Wearing the bathing suit all over the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us that story. So it's funny, that was really when it changed, when a lot of things changed for me. Um, Right when Instagram stories launched in the very beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. you you never, it it was the early days. I didn't know. I forgot there were people there. I don't Uh know. Right. I used to sit in my car and just like chat with the phone. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't think about it. And I remember saying that I was feeling really uncomfortable. Lydia was two or three at this point, and I didn't want to wear a bathing suit, but she's getting older, and I knew I needed to because I needed to be a good role model for her. You know, these conversations we all have. And I jokingly said, I should just take bathing suit photos because I do style content and put them on the internet because if I do that, who cares about the moms at the local pool? Like, I put it out there for the internet to see. Um, and I, and people messaged me in the moment and were like, you should, that would be so great. And I like kind of ignored it because I didn't actually mean that it was a random comment. So I kept getting messages for months and months. And finally, after months, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this bathing suit photo situation and like move on. And I had a friend who was a photographer. I took photos with her in her backyard by her pool. And I was terrified. Like, in tears. It was so uncomfortable 
took these photos. She said, I'll send them to you in a couple days. She sent them, and I looked at the photos and thought, oh, it doesn't look that bad. Okay. Then I did not post them for a long time. Uh, and I was on a trip with a girlfriend, and I remember thinking, I'm going to post these while I'm on the trip because, like, I'm distracted and I won't mm. pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because this is how the internet works, these photos had a very large reach and got a wonderful reaction, more so than anything else I'd ever done. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll do, like, one or two more bathing suit things. And, we can <laughs> uh, and it sort of snowballed. It snowballed into other women posting their own bathing suit photos and tagging me. And the summer after that, I thought, you know what? We need something so we can all see each other versus just, like, me see you when you message me. So we started a hashtag, just wear the suit, and here we are. <laughs> It's so interesting, like, when we put bathing suits on and we're not, like, super confident in our bodies, like, I don't know about you, but I always feel, like, the need to, like, make a comment about it or just Mm -hmm. say something, like, oh, you know, and I always look at people and I'm like, she's just owning it. Nobody cares. This is what I, listen, I've come a long way. I do could care less. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. This is my big challenge. They're caring about their body. Right. My challenge is to anyone is to just go to the beach because. The beach is the best. But like nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Just people watch. You see everyone at the beach and nobody cares. No one's thinking about you. They're thinking about their kids, the waves, themselves getting sunburned. They're not thinking about your thighs. They could care less. Nobody cares. Okay, so like this is just this is your thing now. Like, are you gonna are you gonna teach again ever? Yes. Okay. For the record, yes, my teaching credentials up to date. I just renewed it. Nice. When I don't know. I think this works for our family right now. My daughter's in fourth grade. We've talked about like maybe when she's in middle schoolish. But I'm enjoying this time. It feels like a gift with her. So fun. Yeah. Well, it's really nice and. You know, when the time is up, the time is up. Now, what does she think about what you do? And then how do you communicate with her like that you are like the face of someone who talks about body positivity? I think to her this is normal because I've done it her entire life. However, as she's gotten older, we obviously have a lot more conversations about her involvement because I think it's important that she feels comfortable and does what she wants to do. Um. Every now and again, she'll ask me things like, does everybody's mom do Instagram? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> They're like, what? what? I don't understand your job. <laughs> right? So, you know, I think she kind of gets it. I think she obviously realizes we've gotten to do some really cool things because of it. But I'm curious to see when she's older if she's going to want to do social media or if she's like, no, thank you. I feel like it could go either way. Oh, totally. So are you envisioning your um, crossing the finish line of that half marathon? I'm so excited. I'm yeah. so, so, this, so I have my 10K this week. My half marathon's in January. Okay. Uh, I'm very excited. I, well, And the first half marathon I'm ever doing is at Disneyland, which oh, is fine. like our home place. So I get to run by the castle. I'm very excited. Uh, my husband is also running it, which will be really fun. Oh, fun. So it'll be his first ever run Disney race. And my mom will be there with my daughter at the finish yeah. line. So will you run fun. together? I don't think so. He's much faster than I am. Okay. I, I, I am definitely one of those people when it comes to races where I'm like, 
see you at the end. Like, we don't need to do this together. If you're faster, go ahead. Like, I don't yeah. need to run with you. I'll put my headphones in. I'll enjoy the race. Like, I'm not interested in forcing you to lockstep run with me the whole way. And how have you decided to train for this? Like, what kind of training plan are you using? Okay, so... <laughs> Last year, I did not really use a training plan. I made it my own and I injured myself. So we're not doing that this uh-huh, time around. Uh-huh. Um, I am doing the Run Disney has like a Jeff Galloway plan on their oh, website. Yeah. I love Jeff Galloway. So great. I'm so impressed. So I'm doing his because the race that I'm doing in January, I'm doing the challenge. So I'm doing the 10K on the Saturday and the half marathon on the Sunday, which obviously is a lot of miles. Yeah. So I'm specifically doing the training plan that he has for that challenge. For that, weekend. for the two. Yeah. I will say I don't love run walking. So I run mm. like five minutes and walk one. Yeah. I don't I, like I it either. I want to just run, but I also feel like that's how I hurt myself last time. So I'm yeah. trying to listen to Jeff Galloway and do what he says. Yeah. I tried to do one of his run walks at a race one time just for, cause I was like running it for fun. I wasn't like in super fast shape to run fast, but I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like yeah. I, I feel like I'm running really fast and then I'm stopping and walking for 30 seconds and it mm-hmm. just felt there was no rhythm for me. I will say if I'm running just like a short run, like this morning I ran three miles, I just run. I'm not run yeah. walking three miles. Yeah. But once I'm now on my long runs past eight miles, I'll run for about five minutes and walk for like 30 seconds or a minute mm-hmm. just because I think it's probably good for my muscles to like yeah. take a moment. Uh-huh. But it gives me long enough running so that I get that like in the rhythm mm-hmm. versus stopping. Yeah. Um, I get to hang out with Jeff. I do the Donna Marathon every year. I do the half and kind of go there for work a little bit. And um, Jeff and his wife are always there because they're big supporters of that race. And they are very, very, very nice people. Well, you can let him know I'm listening. So I won't I will. myself like I did last year. I will. I will tell so him. So far, that. knock on, we are injury free this yes, season. So I'm very awesome. happy. I'm also stretching, which I didn't do last yes, year. Yes, yes, yes. And the older we get, the more we need to do that, don't oh my we? Gosh, right. Stretching, strength training. I know. I was like, Man, in a perfect world, I would run five days a week. I would do yoga once a week. I would do Pilates twice a week. But it's like, I don't want it to eat up my life, but I want to feel healthy and strong. I know. And I, know. I know. Do all the supplement stuff. I know. I know. I'm trying to do three runs a week and then two days a week of strength training, like light bike, et cetera. That feels like a good balance to me at this yeah. point. And then two totally. days of nothing. Yeah, totally. I need at least one of those for sure. Exactly. exactly. Usually Sunday, I try to just be exactly. like, exactly, not that's a priority today. <laughs> that's mine too. Um, okay, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Ooh, can it be running related? Because yeah. I, I, okay. Of course. I have now decided that I want to do like a big non-Disney race. I don't know yeah. what that is yet. Like. Boston. I can't believe I'm saying marathon, but maybe Boston marathon. Or like I have a friend that just did a race overseas. So maybe like the German, I think it was the German marathon. I want to do a race that is like very different, a big deal race. Yeah. Well, okay. Just remember at the beginning of the conversation, you said, I know I said no marathon. Maybe you have. Somewhere if you do cool. Boston or New York, I coach the um, Every Mother Counts racing charity teams. So <gasps> okay. look into that. Okay. 
Um, also was- in California, Big Sur, that would be beautiful. That would be cool. I will say, so my immediate goal is my dad ran the Dipsy race every... I okay. never know if anyone knows about this race. Yeah, I know it. The oldest trail race in... Uh-huh the U.S., I believe. So my dad, that's where I grew up. Like I grew up 10 minutes from that trail. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad and his elite running club are the ones that helped run the Dipsy. My dad ran it for like 40 some odd years. So my immediate goal, Dipsy committee, if you see this, is to get into the race because they only take 1,500 runners every year. And Uh, I am not a trail runner. I will not be fast. But my goal is to wear my dad's 1987 Dipsy Race t-shirt and to run the race. And he has Mm. promised me he will be at the finish line if I do it. I feel like your dad could pull some strings. I've really talked to him about that. (laughs) (laughs) They Um, will be getting a lovely sob story letter from me signed by my dad. Like, hey, I babysat a lot of your kids growing up. Yes. Let me run the race, please. (laughs) I feel like you're in such a unique position, like not having been a runner for so many years, but actually knowing so much about the sport because of your dad yeah, and now running yourself. Yeah. It's funny. It's been a bonding thing for us. Cause I call him and talk about like, Oh yeah. He loves it. I bet. Shoes. Oh, he's probably like, it only took 44 years. He's like, my dreams have come true. <laughs> I, I will say every time I say I'm injured, he's like, you're fine. Just run. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what they did in the seventies and eighties exactly. though. Literally. And then my yeah. mom on the other hand is like, God, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have the a best, most recent book that you've read? Okay. Read. I'm reading and audiobooking yeah. Britney Spears's <gasps> memoir. Haven't started it yet. Okay. I'm not going to spoiler it, but wow. Are we all going to hate Justin? So I like Justin before this. I like him less. Okay. I like society less than that. Though. So I feel like... It, not great, but also I think he was probably young and naive as well. Right. I you know, know. Like not right? an excuse for everything I heard, but right. also there were a lot more people involved than just Justin Timberlake. There's a lot of people in her life that I dislike more than Justin Timberlake. Okay. That way. Okay. Fair. Fair. I like that you kind of threw him a bone a little bit. Like not saying... I, I, like, I don't hate his guts, but... I like him less though. I like him a little less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is, and the other point there is I haven't read it. I don't know any of the details. So I'm saying this without knowing any of this. Um, we all make choices when we're young that are like, why did I do that? Uh, you know, I mean, it's funny because we're obviously talking about like parenting and uh-huh. empowering your kids. And my biggest takeaway from this was like, as a society, how we treat children who are in the spotlight shocked me, you know, and that now leads to, of course, kids that are on social media and all this stuff. It, it is just wow. Mm-hmm. It is wow. Because yes, it's Britney Spears. And I think it's easy to kind of trivialize it and be like, oh, she's a pop star or whatever. But when you listen to this, it's more about like the structure of things to me than her specifically. And wow. Just, yep. Highly recommend a read or a listen. <laughs> you know, I'm curious, like, this is maybe another conversation for another day, but like, how does someone like Taylor Swift not fall into that's that. so cool. we were talking she was about so this. young when she got famous but she wasn't sexualized like britney spears was i honestly think it's the adults that surround these children yeah because these are both children right yeah. i mean you look at there are so I mean, taylor many- was like 13 or 14 yeah. when those first yeah. songs came out yeah i think it's the adults that surround them and what kind of protections are in place because you know 
what happens when your child is the business for your family. Mm, wow. Yeah, a couple of my girls in the neighborhood are going to start a little book club, and we're going to start with that book. So. Oh, we'll have to check back yeah, in. Yeah, we'll check back Woo! in for sure. It's a whole podcast right there. I was uh, listening to one of the chapters while I ran today because sometimes I audiobook while I run, and wow, I ran real fast. <laughs> Whose voice is it? Mich- Surely not hers. No, it's... Um, it's Michelle. Oh my gosh. Why am I blanking on her last name? Hold on. Let's pull the book up. Michelle Williams. Oh, Michelle Williams. Oh, Michelle Williams. Oh, wow. I wonder how that was selected. I mean, her voice is spot on. It's really good. Brittany does the intro herself and then Michelle picks it up. Mm, wow. Okay. Uh, do you have a kid's book you recommend? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Um, so many. Little kids book or like tween graphic novel? Yeah, whatever. Books. Okay, I'm going to give you two. Yeah. Um, One, this is like a shameless plug, but a friend of mine whose name is Katie wrote a book called Her Body Can. I do not know if you have heard of it yet. No, I, what's her last name? Crenshaw. I think she was one of my very first guests on this podcast. Like three years ago. Highly recommend. The book is absolutely amazing. Um, talks a lot about kids and body confidence for older children, anything by Raina Telgermeier. So she wrote like guts and smile and all of those graphic novels. Um, my daughter is a super fan of hers and we actually got to hear her speak at Comic-Con this summer. She is amazing. And I just love the fact that her books speak to that like tween into middle school age in such a engaging way. I think that's very rare. So highly recommend. Oh, love it. Okay. What's your last message to leave with our audience? I think it is not to be so hard on yourself. I think it's very easy when you're working on body image to feel like, well, I just want to feel better and I'm trying and I'm not there. It's a process and that is okay. And just give yourself some grace. I mean, whatever age you are, You're undoing that many years of what our society has told you and just give yourself time. Carly Anderson, thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Carly, for coming on the podcast. You all can find Carly on Instagram. She is lip gloss and crayons over there. That's her website as well. You can find me. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter, X, whatever you call it, and threads. I'm on threads as well. Learn more about this show and all the podcasts in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?